We've used this theme, Leaders That Last, in our three con- in our continental gatherings uh, this year. So every alternate year, we do Global, which is the Big Bash, and next, week that's, ne- next year, that's in, in Cape Town, uh, South Africa, in May. We'll get dates up a bit later in the week uh, to remind you. Um, but we've done continental gatherings this year. So Africa, UK, and North America has used this theme, Leaders That Last. We actually didn't use it for our... Um, Nepal, India gathering in February this year, but the theme, or the Lord through the theme, it served us really well, and I think we're in for a, an amazing few days. Um, we, in these continental gatherings, we've had different speakers, uh, different topics, so it's not all the same at all, but a similar theme, and I have no doubt that the Lord is going to really steady us and stir us individually, and as leadership teams and as churches as we go through these uh, three short days together, expecting him to do that. And uh, I'm kicking off with speaking about lasting living faith. Lasting living faith. I think we could think of faith in two broad categories the saving faith. Could you say saving faith? And say living faith. So we're, we're justified by faith, and the just shall live by faith. Faith to be saved, done, thank you, Father, found peace with God, righteous in Christ, and I'm heaven bound. But then there's living faith, there's there's daily faith, weekly faith. It's been my observation that as leaders, we tend to get stronger and stronger as the years go by in this one, but weaker and weaker in this one. And that should not be. If we're going to age well in the Lord, certainly we want to get stronger and stronger in the certainty of our great salvation. But we, we want to absolutely lock on to saving faith, but we must not leak living faith. We need both. We need to be on the faith stretch for daily decisions that you make in your family, business, and church. Weekly decisions, monthly decisions, annual strategy decisions. Uh, We need to be on the faith stretch for finance, for money, uh, for the next building project. We need need to be on the living faith stretch, having living faith for raising up and releasing leaders. Uh, We need it to plant the next church. We need it for souls saved. We need living faith for the gospel to penetrate into subcultures that we haven't had experience and success in previously penetrating with the gospel. There is so much to be done in our short lives and in this generation. Thank God that we're saved and going to heaven. It's this one that we really need boosting and injecting. And thank God, Sunday by Sunday, week by week, we preach. And this, this wonderful truth of being saved by faith, which is so valuable for believers to be reminded of and unbelievers to have that declared over them. We must not be in neglect of living faith, of active faith. The just shall live by faith. We're not just saved by faith. So we're going to look at uh, some of this um, through the lens of one of the most remarkable standoffs in all of Scripture between fear and faith. Huge standoff, fear and faith, and fear wins the day, and four decades are set in a certain direction. And we're going to learn about fear and learn about faith and living faith. And then we're going to pray for each other. 
freshly received the gift of faith uh, on the back end of this message. So please, uh, Numbers 13 and 14, we're going to read together. And it's a long passage, so I'm going to read sections, and I'll just say the verse. So no time to read all of it. Just be clear on the context here. This is 40 years before Joshua chapter 1. So you remember Joshua chapter 1. It's game on chapter. It's crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. It's, it's terrific. Joshua chapter 1, terrific. For, this is 40 years before this. And it's entitled, Spies Sent into Canaan. Let's pray and then we will read. Father, would you open thou our eyes to behold the wonderful things in your law, we pray. Amen. 13 verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negeb and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they're few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, are the trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was for the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land. Uh, verse 25 now. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of the Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him, we came to the land with, to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large, and besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Tremble, tremble. Verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it. We are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone with him said, we're not able to overcome anything, anyone, anywhere. Not these people, they're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw of it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. 14 verse 1, Then the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, I know what. 
let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Someone to lead us backwards. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. <laughs> Means we're going to eat them. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them. I'm sorry, I I can't get the appropriate emotion into these little speeches. One thing's for sure, it wasn't just read out monotone. (laughs) This is, I mean, this this is the mother of all standoffs. This is enormous. Imagine the emotion. Verse 21, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory, says the Lord, and seen my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give their fathers and none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Verse 30, jump far ahead, 30. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And verse 34. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity, 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. Okay, let's just check we've got the context. So the Lord had delivered um, Israel out of Egypt, a second deliverance across the Red Sea. They're now in the wilderness uh, for a short period And God was now saying it's time to go into the promised land. So the commanding officer, who's Moses, uh, he calls together SEAL Team 6. These are 12 unshaven uh, spec ops warriors, one from each tribe, the best of the best. uh, Think North Carolina uh, dudes. And he gets them together in the, in the, the, the sit rep room. And uh, he, he, says, he says to them, gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is a re- reconnaissance mission. You are not, repeat, not to engage the enemy. Intelligence gathering only. Any intelligence about the forces and the fortifications, any intelligence to help us with our pending, our forth, forthcoming 
invasion and habitation of this land, we want that intel. Bring us back some fruit, some visual aid. One more thing, gentlemen. Don't get dead. Dismissed. So they leave that night, 40 days behind enemy lines. Radio silence. Back at the, the camp, we don't know how they're doing. But then 40 nights later, like ninjas, they appear out of the dark. We're back. Moses and all the people gather the next morning. And they give their report back to Moses in front of all the people. The troop commander says, sir, I've got good news and bad news. The good news, it's a beautiful land. It's flowing with milk and honey, if you know what I mean. However, if we go in, we will be decimated for the people and their fortifications are much stronger than we are. We cannot go in. The other end of the line, Private First Class Caleb puts up his hand, and he says, Sir, respectfully, sir, I beg to differ with my troop commander. And he says, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And the troop commander says, uh, Sir, respectfully, PFC Caleb and uh, his sidekick, uh, Private First Class uh, Joshua, they do not speak for the troop. They do not speak with the majority voice of our troop. The way we've set this thing up, it's the majority voice rules. That's what our troop constitution says. And they don't speak for us, and sir, they are inexperienced in these matters. At this point, the people join in. Someone shouts out, Let's think about this according to pros and cons. On the cons side, we've got about 20 reasons why we shouldn't go in. On the pro side, we've just got one, that God says we should and he will be sufficient for us. But a whole list of cons. Shouldn't do it. And someone else pipes up, in fact, we need a new leader. A new leader to take us in reverse back to Egypt. We need a reverser, actually not a leader. This is sounding good. Anyway, the upshot of all this is absolutely horrific. The upshot is the Lord says, okay, uh, 40 years to mark these 40 days. I'm going to delay your entrance into the promised land by 40 years to allow time for doubters to die off. And the rest is history. This is an epic standoff of fear and faith, and fear wins the day. And God used, God used it, God used the 40 years graciously, His purpose still happens, hallelujah. But fear won the day, faith lost the day. So what can we learn about fear and faith? First thing is they are different spirits. Verse four, uh, 24, chapter 14. My servant Caleb has a different spirit. The reference there is to his spirit of faith, of obedience. Remember, obedience is faith. Caleb's faith spirit. Caleb's faith was a, a spirit. It was a different spirit. Actually, 
Faith is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Faith also comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You can recognize the Spirit. Because when you say Spirit, it's a bit nebulous, isn't it? But you can recognize the Spirit in a person, Spirit of faith in a, in a team. You can recognize it in a meeting even. Like when some of these pr- prophetic words were coming, just, just Brian, thanks for just getting those in right at the beginning, about what, what the Lord will, this is your situation, but this is what the Lord says he will do. Like faith rose. Faith came. You can recognize, you can feel the spirit in a collective group, in a meeting. And it's a wonderful spirit. Uh, faith is a wonderful gift. When the tide of faith, when the tide of faith rises, so many other boats rise with it. Faith, when faith rises, so many other things rise with it. And then also fear is a spirit. Can anyone give me a scripture that explicitly teaches that? Second Timothy something, someone else said it? Sean, are you muttering it? Go again. The, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. It's, it's, two, it's 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's a spirit. Fear is a spirit. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, or power, love, and self-discipline. Fear is a spirit that can grip you. It can grip the team. It can grip the church. It can grip a generation. It's a spirit. It's very powerful. And it causes all sorts of different manifestations that usually when you look at the manifestations, you don't go immediately, aha, I know where you've come from. You've come from a spirit of fear. But the spirit of fear pops out these behaviors and manifestations (laughs) that you think, If you trace it back, the spirit, the source, is fear. What kind of manifestations, I hear you say? Well, I've noticed that the manifestations that I commonly see when a spirit of fear is in play is the flip of the three things Sean quoted from 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. When the spirit of fear is in play, there's an impotency. There's just like a resident impotency, non-potency. It's like, wow, what's going on here? Where, where's, where's the power of the Lord? It's, it saps confidence. Remember, God loves faith. But when there's fear in play, there's a, there's a, a loss of power. Um, power, love, and a sound mind. The opposite of love is mean-heartedness. When you're in fear, it's so difficult to be big-hearted and generous because you're in self-preservation mode. This thing's gripped you, and you're about preserving self. It's very, very hard to smile and be big-hearted and generous with words, actions, and finance, and and blessing because you just... You just don't, often you don't have the emotional energy for it. You're just fighting for survival yourself. It's the opposite of love. And it can even get mean. 
You know, when you're scared and under threat, it's just easier to become mean, isn't it? Snappy. And and, uh, then sound mind, the spirit of fear produces dumb decisions. It It blinds. It's not you are stupid. It's the, f- the spirit that's gripped you is blinding. And you can look back on decisions you've made when you're d- making them in fear, and you can just think, oh, what a, I was a total plonker. Why did I make that decision there? But at the time, it felt like this, the wise decision, right? There's a blindness that comes in. So there's a spirit of fear, and there's a spirit of faith. Faith is well able to overcome the spirit of fear, just to state the obvious. At learning number two, a lone voice of faith. A lone voice of faith is sometimes the voice that needs to be heeded. Next slide, guys. A lone voice of faith is sometimes the voice that needs to be heeded. 1330, but Caleb quieted the people. Now, I didn't act that out. Remember when I said PFC, Caleb's down this end and the troop commander's this end, these 12 12 guys. Caleb quieted the people. What what do you think that looked like? Remember, they probably had a very good amphitheater of some sort. There would have been certainly thousands in play. And he quieted the people. That, I mean, imagine, that's brave. Before he even said anything, he said, quiet, everyone, I need to speak. My servant Caleb, he has a different spirit. Him and Joshua, there was one or two when you put them together. So on this, let's, let's imagine this troop of 12 spies as an eldership team of 12. Two of them were on the right track. Two of them were following the spirit. Ten of them weren't. The majority is not always right. And this messes with us as those, um, those who are Americans or who love America because we know that there is such inherent, wonderful, genuine strength in majority rule. But there's also such, such danger and weaknesses in that as well, particularly when, when you're coming to this kind of deal. So two out of 12 were in the spirit. Group think kicked in. The space shuttle Challenger is cited as one, as the, one of the biggest group think, like Google group think. It'll come up as an example of group think. Space shuttle Challenger blowing up. And they didn't convince themselves it was okay and it wasn't. <laughs> this, is, this is like the biblical mother of all group think. Sessions kicking in. There's an idol sometimes of the majority. It's the assumption that many sensible people or many godly people surely can't all be wrong. And you will feel it when you lead your church sometimes. Don't feel it all the time. If you do, you've probably got illusions of grandeur, right? But this is just just a major lesson for us as leaders. Sometimes the lone voice is the voice. Sometimes many godly people are wrong altogether at the same time. There is, of course, some strength in consultative, collective decision-making. 
Very often there is. But there is weakness in it also. And we need eldership teams and bylaws that allow for spiritually mature, spiritual-minded teams to flex to also accommodate the voices of Caleb's and Joshua's, to, to release rather than crush these anointed voices that at certain moments will be the voice of God. Individual gifting and flair to allow, we don't live by that, but we do allow it. It's part of healthy leadership teams. So brothers and sisters, I think we need more moments of sister so-and-so quieted the people. Brother so-and-so silenced the people and called them to faith. <laughs> they were just calling them to the basics. They weren't calling them to any heresy or something dumb. They were calling them to, hey, God is really God, and God really did say we should go in. Just want to remind us of what the creator of the heavens and the earth said to us. <laughs> Number three, faith knows that only the Lord. Let's, let's read this one out together. Faith knows that only the God brings victory and acts in line with that conviction. So there's part A and part B there. Faith knows A, and because it knows A, it gets busy with B. Verse 13, 2, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Well, hang on, Lord, if you're giving it to us, why do we need to spy it out? Why do we even need to go in? <laughs> what, just, if you're giving it to us, just give it to us. No, faith knows that it's the Lord who's giving it to us. But because we know that the Lord is giving it to us, or we, we believe the Lord is giving it to us, we get busy, and we spy, and we invade, and we act in faith. Those three words, I am giving, in that verse are very important. But we still spy, we cross over rivers, we fight battles, but we do it all in the confidence that the Lord is giving. We fight in that confidence. Next one, faith is rooted in God and his great mission. Just absorb that one. Faith is rooted in God and his great mission. In A and what A God is doing. Uh, 14.21, but truly as I live, but truly, as I live, says the Lord, it's true, but truly, as I live, faith is rooted in God, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, as I live, as sure and true as I live, and as sure and true as what I am doing in the earth through each generation, as sure as I am, and as sure as what I am doing through the ages, the unstoppable mission of God that I, the true God, have put in action, as sure as I am, and as sure as certain as my mission is. And he goes to say, none of them will. Now, where does God start? Does When he's trying to help them, when he's speaking, when he's correcting, when he's declaring, does he start with them or him? He starts with himself. 
Faith must start with God. And I think the reasons why God use, uses, we'll come to this in a moment, such heavy-duty words about their lack of faith, such as rebellion and iniquity, it's because their actions are in direct violation to, but truly as I live, and truly as I have said, and truly as I am acting, that their, their faith, that their, their doubt, their fear wasn't just, we're lacking a bit of faith. It was like, do you not know God and what he's said and what he's doing? So that faith, he starts with himself, not them. And then notice, he also speaks, he highlights, not their immediate challenge, but his eternal purpose. He doesn't like get right down into their micro needs of the moment. He sticks with his meta-narrative as surely as the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And this is why it was, I, I think we feel the Lord's emotion here. This was his people who he had stood for as I am your God. And he had already spoken to them through, through Abraham that through you there's going to be this new nation, this filling of the earth with the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. This was what they were meant to know above all things, that God is real and he's true and he's in the business of mission to the ends of the earth through the generations. And so when he, when he rebukes them for it, he says, I am, don't you know that? Feels a little bit like the Old Testament version of Matthew 6. When Jesus is talking about do not be anxious and a couple of times he says, you've got a father in heaven. The Gentiles worry because they don't have a heavenly father, but you have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father. That's the distinguishing thing. I am, truly I am. He starts with himself. He starts with his mission. Now, this is key for us. We must locate our situations, our difficult situations. We've heard about two. Utah, Mormon HQ, Midwest. South of St. Louis, challenges. We must locate those. And the ones you're going through, we're going through, we locate them in God, that he truly is God. And we locate them in God's unstoppable, huge mission and plan. Pressure off in Utah. Utah shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's a dead cert that's going to happen. And he quieted the people. And he said, it will happen like that. It will happen. You're going to, Matt and Ali, you're going to look back. It may, may even happen in your lifetime. But when we're in glory, looking back on it, and looking down, and you see, you see Utah being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Locate your current struggles within that. You'll struggle with a smile on your face more easily. God's unstoppable plan. When we think about getting faith for a specific move, like or a church planting movement to plant a church, I find it helpful to think in, in terms of specific faith, foreground faith, and general faith, which is background faith. Specific faith is a bonus. Specific faith is specific move to go to that particular place to plant that particular church or to start that particular business or whatever your faith thing is. 
enjoy it, but don't overstate it. You may get a couple of prophetic words. I've actually, when we've moved, we moved to Johannesburg, uh, we had some quite remarkable, unique prophetic words about Johannesburg. I found that helpful. We didn't overplay it, though. Don't overstate specific words about specific places. That's foreground, but it could not work out the way you expected it to work out. And if all of it has been in a specific faith, specific words, foreground, and that, that doesn't turn out how you think it's going to turn out, then you're, you're in trouble. But if you've got the general faith that you lean, you're always leaning back on, I'm leaning back, it's this background faith, it's absolutely rock solid secure that God is God and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Wherever we are, we're going to be used to bring the glory of God. Vietnam or DC or, or somewhere else. This ba- oh, what a relief. Background promise it applies to every place. It applies to Florida. It applies to Miami. Oh, oh this is just certain suburbs, certain cities. In, no, no, no. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord fill that city. It's going to happen. Very secure. Thank God for specifics. That doesn't quite play out. We've got this. And this is what God is saying. Come on, root your faith in me. Root your faith in what I've said I'm doing, have done, will do. That's where mighty stability comes from. We can get a bit buffeted in the specific, can't we? And we help bind each other up and speak courage to each other. But this is where our real security is. A couple more. Faith for exploits feeds off the miracle of salvation. Living faith should feed off saving faith. Could you say that? Please say, my daily faith my should be fueled by my saving faith. So let's just check. Hands up if you are in full faith and belief that you are uh, forgiven of your sin and heaven bound. Okay, keep your hands up. Anyone seen heaven? Anyone been to heaven? So you've just read God's word. You've taken God at who he is and what he says, and you've believed it, right? Okay, that faith must fuel our daily faith. Uh, verse 21, truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who, you saw my glory. God said, you saw my glory. You saw the signs I did in Egypt. Egypt, the exodus from Egypt is, the, is like the, found, it's the Old Testament picture of our, of our salvation, our exodus in Christ. The Red Sea was, Christ was parted, we're delivered, plagues came on Jesus that we are set free. It is the ultimate picture of salvation. They live through it. Plague after plague, God just going to Pharaoh, miracles, this was a breathtaking deliverance. And God said, you saw it. You lived through it. You've put me to the test ten times of this text. Mr. Tim Keller says, if you realize what a miracle it is that got you out of Egypt... How the heck are you scared of going into Canaan? And he really did say heck. 
if you realize what a miracle it is that got you out of Egypt, remember we've just had all those hands up. You've, you've seen this size miracle, everybody. And now, and now you're thinking, oh, I don't know if God can do that. Really, I don't know. He, go, this is, he goes on to say, this is one of the ways you can tell whether you're a real Christian or whether you're a moral religious person. A moral religious person doesn't think that their salvation is a miracle. You ask a moral religious person, hey, are you a Christian? And they say, sure I am. I obey the Bible. I go to church. I live for God and try to live a clean life. Yeah. And you don't sense there is a wonder of surprise. They don't say, yeah, I'm a Christian. It was a thousand to one shot. But I'm a Christian. A million to one shot, in fact. It's unbelievable, but it happened. I went from death to life, cursed to blessing, not in God's family, to a son at his. I'm a Christian. I've been saved through the miraculous work of God. You don't hear that from a moralistic, fake, pseudo-Christian. If you're a self-righteous person, you believe you've gotten where you've come on the basis of your resources, your merit. And as a result, whenever you get into a situation that you don't feel like you have the human resources to handle, you will chicken out. If you believe you're saved, surely by grace, and it's a miraculous thing, then that informs everything else. If God brought me this far, then why can't he help me do this? I'm going to obey. He brought me out of Egypt for goodness sakes. He's not going to keep me out of Canaan. Hallelujah. The resources for living faith that we find in our saving faith. Lack of faith. Next one. I think there's two more. Lack of faith can sometimes even be despising God, even rebellion. So God's diagnosis was, they despised me. Caleb's diagnosis is, you rebelled against the Lord. Despising and rebelling, it sounds harsh. Why? Well, they were giving greater weight to their own judgment than God's faithfulness. And that's the ultimate idolatry, isn't it? And I know, I know all about that one. Ash and I, we've had a whole string of months recently where the, 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 the temptation to be anxious about things and to worry about things has, has been very alive and well. And there's just such a fine line between sort of nice, nice little bit of worrying and horrific idolatry of self. <laughs> oh, he's just a little bit worried. No, he's, he's, he's sick. He's exalting, PJ's exalting his own judgment over that of the, the Lord and what the Lord said. Beware. Now, I don't want to lay that on too hard, right? Because sometimes when you're worrying about something, you don't need to be told you're rebelling against God. You need the truth to be spoken to you in love, all right? But then if you, if you still don't get it, you need a good slap. You do believe he's, you do, do you have a father in heaven? Uh, and beware the spiral. Here's how the spiral goes. Less faith, less results, 
And because we're getting less results, we've got less reason to have faith, less faith, and then you've got less results. And before we know it, we can be passing on to our kids a level of faith way down here. We need to spiral up. Have faith. Believe in God. Have faith. See results. But we, we need lots of talk about what the Lord is doing. So it was great fun listening to Ben and Becky, wasn't it? Talk about... Um, Stuff they've been through. Ben just couldn't help but saying, but people are getting saved. Their youth group, he told me yesterday, their youth group has trebled. The Lord is at work. And he said that the Lord is at work, but he's just super clear that in this season, more than any other season, <laughs> only the Lord can take the credit for it. Faith was getting stirred. They were stirring faith in themselves as they were saying that. And last one. Fear doubts God's goodness. Faith believes God's goodness. 14.3, why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones become a prey? I just want you to imagine this. This is really what they were saying. This is crazy talk. This right here, crazy talk. Listen, did, were they listening to themselves? Is God, they're saying, is God bring us into this land so we'll all be slaughtered and our wives and little ones will become a prey? That's just nuts. God had brought them out of Egypt that was a land of slaughter and prey. He's saying that God just brought us out of that to take us into that. Children be picked off by the wolves. This is crazy talk but I empathize because I know the propensity that I have and you have to talk crazy when we're under pressure. It's like, how do we go from being so convinced of who God is and our great salvation, and yet we're threatened with a little bit of a temporary thing, and we start to doubt. Suddenly we doubt, does God really love me? It's craziness. Romans 8.32 says, Would he who gave up his son for you, not graciously give you all things. We can just go nuts on each other. The disciples in the boat, in the storm, Jesus is fast asleep. They wake him up. First words out of their mouth are, don't you care? It's like crazy talk. He's already proved conclusively that he cares for them. They went to doubting his character. When you're in the wars, the propensity to doubt God's character it's just quite unique. And we must not do it. How are we helped? Speaking from experience, we need others to say, hey, we love you. I love you, bro, but that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Don't, don't give any credence. <laughs> if I talk crazy, please don't say, hmm, that's an interesting thought. Say, that's crazy. Being told you're crazy is just such a relief. It's like, no, no, no. God, salvation, Bible, your past experience. Draw, we can draw faith out of each other. And after about a minute of you asking me questions, has God ever let you down? No, he's never let me. So you think, you think, PJ, your logic is he hasn't let you down for 47 years. He's seen you to hell and back several times, seen you come good. You think now, suddenly going to be a change of modus operandi. A minute in, I'm going... <coughs> You know that thing I said a few minutes ago, I don't really believe it. 
it's so cool to call out lack of faith in a loving way with each other. That's crazy talk. What does your future hold? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's gone okay up until now, but I don't know. God's been faithful every season of my life, but I don't know if he'll be faithful to me in retirement. <laughs> crazy talk. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, except when you're in retirement. Yeah. I think we may fall by the sword. I think we're going to go down. Crazy. Um, I don't know if the Lord's going to give us grace for that challenge ahead. Crazy talk. Of course he will. Uh, yeah, the next season of your church. Well, you know, law of averages. We've had a good season, another good season. I think we've got a bad season coming up. It's crazy talk. <laughs> this, this week, and fear just gets dismantled. Especially when you laugh at fear and laugh at lack of faith and just point us to what we, we know that we, that we know this. Just remind each other, and it's part of the privilege of the various communities we're in, isn't it? Leadership teams, small groups, eldership teams, uh, being part of advance. We can just help one another, directly and indirectly. Nudging us, urging one another to faith and belief in the Lord. So I want to pick up, we've got, we've got five minutes. I want to pick up where Brian uh, left off, those wonderful words that came. Alan, can you just share that one about battle scars, um, just that the sound dude had? And we want to pray. Uh, we want to pray for people. We want to pray for the gift of faith. So we want to pray fear out, faith in. Crazy talk out, God talk, faith talk in. Uh, shall I, shall I, I can remember it, Al. <laughs> He's reaching around in his bag. <laughs> Just tell me the one that, that your sound dude. <laughs> Sam, are you here? Oh, great. This was a fantastic word. You're a sound guy. How, how come you're getting prophetic words all of a sudden? <laughs> Drummers and sound guys. Are the yeah, this, this is Sam. And Sam is a faithful, uh, he's more than a sound guy, he's a business guy. He is not a prophesier. Um, but uh, we were praying for, for this time as a church on Sunday. And uh, he was at the back in the sound booth. And um, he, he emailed me the next day, just said, I had a really clear picture of the people coming, and it was a battlefield picture. Sam, I can get it on my phone, but I think you could probably remember. Can, can, you, can you? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, we're just praying for the leaders uh, for this conference. And um, I got the, the words Jehovah Nisi um, came to mind, that uh, God is our banner. And I saw a battlefield, and, and the leaders are fighting, and, and that area of of the battlefield, they were they felt like they were losing. They saw um, just dead and wounded comrades around, and um, just got discouraged. And then I saw them; they looked back towards the hill, um, and there was God's banner. the The standard was flying, and um, the word was, "The King is on the battlefield. Um, you are not alone. We're not losing." And um, we're going strong and kind of like a zoomed out picture of where they were at was a small part of the battle line 
and it went all the way across, and it wasn't even close to like losing or losing ground at all. So, thank you, thank you both. Thanks, Al. So, can we pray truth? The king is on the battlefield. He's on the throne, and he's on the battlefield. Faith, fear out. Faith in. Let's let's just just let's be a bit specific. Who would particularly like that kind of prayer prayed for you at the beginning of uh, these days together? If that's you, can you just stand up, and we'll make sure that people get around you particularly. Any others on this side? Okay. Can we have two or three people around each of these? Pray loud enough for them to hear. Uh, fear out, faith in, king on the battlefield, and everyone else, let's just pray faith in, let's pray re uh, resistance to fear, let's pray truth uh, over each other. So let's have everyone praying, being prayed for or praying for someone just in twos, twos or threes. We'll just go for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to break. Good, let's pray.